Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geeks Me Radio, episode 260. Today we're joined by author Brian Heiler, talking about his brand new book, Rack Toys, all about those toys that we saw in the drugstore aisle, probably got and forgot all about. We'll get into that and more. Stand by. For those of you who may be hearing the show for the very first time, welcome to geek to me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. Every week, I try to bring you a new guest from the world of pop culture, be it movie, TVs, video games, comic books, or toys. And today, we have a very unique guest who's got a book out that I'm very excited to delve into. Right now, we're chatting with author Brian Heiler about his book, Rack Toys. If you've ever been to the drugstore or gone into one of those little five and dime stores and seen some of the toys along the walls there and wonder well who's buying those brian will tell you exactly who's buying those and what kind of toys they are brian how are you not too bad thanks for having me on of course uh so the book i this is one thing it's fascinating because i never would a million years have thought that someone would have written a book about these toys that you find like i mentioned that you see in the drugstore and and everything like that but you've gotten it down to type category what was the genesis of this idea that birthed this book well, the, the first thing was uh, my childhood. My parents actually were involved in the distribution of this stuff to uh, variety stores, like convenience stores, across uh, where I live, which is just outside of Toronto, Canada. So I kind of grew up with it. But then the second thing was I, I've always sort of been predilected to it. Even as a kid, uh, there's a famous story in my family that I got locked in a drugstore. Oh, wow. Because I was looking at the toy section, you know, and I'm, I was short, and the pharmacist thought, well, time to go home. And he just <laughs> <laughs> he hit the lights and left. See, a more enterprising when youth would have gone five. behind the counter and started mixing up some concoctions, but you were content with the toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just, you know what? I was very fixated and just didn't uh, notice my surroundings until the lights went out. So they actually, your parents actually worked for a company that distributed these. And so I assume, and again, just in my mind, uh, boxes of these toys in your basement or garage where you're going out and sending them, or do they show up at the place, the boxes are sent to the place, and then they design them, hang them on the racks and everything like that. Like you see store picture people. Well, what, what they had a warehouse. Um, they had a warehouse not far from our house. My parents usually worked about five minutes from the house. And, you know, they were entrepreneurial people, so I, you know, I often spent a Saturday picking orders with them or you know, doing that sort of thing. Uh, but the, the thing I remember the most is um, 
reading the toy publications my dad subscribed to, so I would know, you know, the names of the presidents of toy companies when I was like seven. Oh, wow. And also the samples. My dad just got so many toy samples. He would go to like Toy Fair and he would get all these samples back and, you know, he wouldn't pick up all this stuff. So, you know, when you're like six years old and your dad has a huge box of toys that he doesn't even want. You're you're kind of in a you, you kind of want to visit your parents at their work. They're interesting <laughs> people when you're six years old, you know. And that begs the question: What was Christmas like at the Heiler household? Was it uh, you know just a gl- gluttony of toys that we were uh, you know dispensed to you? Were you getting the were you getting a lot of these, but then also the occasional He-Man or Transformers? What was the Christmas morning like? Well, I, I'm just slightly north. Or slightly, yeah, slightly south of that of that era, but um, I, you know, for Christmas and birthdays, I would get the, you know, the TV advertised department store toys like most kids did, like uh, Six Million Dollar Man, uh, Mego superheroes, yeah, uh, uh, the the Star Wars and Micronauts and and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this is the kind of stuff. The rack toys are the kind of stuff that you're able to talk your grandmother into when she's grocery shopping. <laughs> you know, these are these are these are a toy you get on a Wednesday, and I, I think that's the 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 joy of these things is they and they don't last forever. You forget you own them. I can't tell you how many comments and emails are like, "I had that. I didn't remember having that because it broke <laughs> almost yep. immediately." You know, <laughs> and. You know, I, I could probably, I could probably publish a book of just all the memories I've been sent over the years. And it's it's funny too because I, I think back to those times at the toy store. I should say, I'm sorry, the drugstore with my uh, my mom taking me in there. She had to pop into Clark's Drugs right there in Overland. It used to be there. It's gone now, but uh, they had the toy and the candy aisle. And if it was too close to lunch or dinner. I couldn't have a candy bar, but I could pick out a toy. And I remember specifically this tiny, it's probably the size of a small dinner plate. Xylophone had a plastic band, but it had the very, very thin, you know, bells. And it came with a little plastic uh, hammer. But I, I couldn't tell you what happened to that thing if I had a gun to my head. But it's one of those toys I distinctly remember getting. But I couldn't, yeah. I, it probably broke within like a couple of days after of playing it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it probably ended up out on garbage day. So obviously, there's there's uh, you're you're writing about this. You've got a book out about it. This must be something that there's there's a collector's market for, especially with nostalgia being through the roof on a lot of this stuff. What are some of those toys that might be in your book that are actually nowadays might be worth money? Oh yeah, well the thing about rack toys that makes it so appealing is that they would be able to jump on almost every license because they what they're doing is they're just licensing the name or the logo and for the most part not not always sometimes they actually you know with a bigger brand like Star Trek they would actually make you know a phaser that looked like the phaser but they could jump on any television or movie property if they needed to sell toy guns they needed a TV cop so you know whatever was on the air that year, like TJ Hooker or, um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised to be honest with you that there isn't Hill street blues rack toys. <laughs> um, so the appeal of them 
is that sometimes, well, first of all, they did capture a lot of amazing brands. Mm-hmm. You know, every superhero you can think of, uh, every science fiction show, you know, like it, it's, it's, a, it's a, and there's stuff that, uh, things that only got like 13 weeks on television, like Street Hawk or Manimal. Right. Uh, they got, they got rack toys. They didn't get a toy line, but they got rack toys. And so if you're a fan of Mr. T, you, you know, you want the Mr. T jewelry set. If sure. you're a fan of, planet of the apes you want the planet of the apes boomerang or you know and they don't make any sense for the most part and that's part of their charm (laughs) there there's a there's a the the reason i wrote this book was because this stuff has such a sense of humor yeah and um you know it's it's blatant and funny and yeah so there's a lot of collectability to it there's there's people who collected for the irony. There's people who collected because, you know, they're tremendous fans of a series. Um, there's very few that I know of just pure rack toy collectors. Everyone has a niche mm-hmm. of rack toys. You know, they, they, you know, I've met a guy that has a, you know, a whole house of Richie Rich rack toys. Huh. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. But I, I've never, I've, I've only met like one or two people who just, collect rack toys as a genre now when you meet these people interesting thing oh sorry i was gonna say when you meet these people are these people who saw the book sent you a letter and then you kind of got to corresponding with them and said hey i i just read your book i've got a huge collection of this stuff in my house or how did how did you come across people like that we're gonna pause right there take a quick commercial break come back and chat more with author brian heiler please stand by Richie Rich Scooby-Doo Show. And Scrappy too. Why, hello, this is Scott Innes, better known as the voice of Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Like in Shaggy too, in Scrappy too. In like, in like you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Right, Uncle Scoob? Right, Rappy? Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. The show brought to you by our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. You might know them from the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. A lot happening. There's always a lot happening. There's always something going on in downtown St. Charles along beautiful historic Main Street. You can start your trip at the website. Open up your computer, open up a browser on your iPhone or your smartphone, Go to discoverstcharles.com. Check out all there is to see and do. They've got a beautiful brand new webpage. They just uh, redid their homepage. If you've not visited them recently, check out all the things that are new. Always something happening. Like we just mentioned Legends and Lanterns on the show last week. Talking about that festival. If you're a Halloween fan, and let's face it, who isn't? uh, It's a great festival for you to come and check out. It's family friendly and it's free. If you're local, we highly encourage you to come check it out. If you're from out of town, you may be wanting to plan a trip, do something new. City of St. Charles will fit the bill. If you've never been there before, there are a lot of great things to see, a lot of great places to eat, lots of great stores at which to shop. Always something happening in St. Charles. Go to the website, plan your trip. If you're uh, coming in from out of town, places to stay, you can book your hotels and everything right there 
on the website as well. If you're from around the area and kind of want to see what there is to do, check out the schedule of events so you can find something that is right in your wheelhouse. Come down, spend the day, have lunch, have dinner, have some cocktails at Tompkins House, whatever you plan to do, you'll be very, very glad you did come and visit. Once again, the website, Discover St. Charles. That's discoverstcharles.com for an historically good time. Before we took that last break, we were chatting with author Brian Heiler about his book, Rack Toys, and I asked him, we were talking about these collectors who have approached him and said, yeah, I have a bunch of these things. So I asked him how he found some of these collectors. Um, you know, some of them I knew before and they were, you know, people that I, <laughs> you know, like people in my circle that also dig this stuff. In fact, the reason I even chose to write the book is a good friend of mine uh, kept showing me, you know, stuff he was buying. And a lot <laughs> of the stuff he was buying were rack toys. And, I, you know, I started to, sit there and go, there's a lot of really cool stuff mm. out there, you know? Um, but yeah, a lot of, when you build it, people come and, and just even this week, I got a lovely letter from somebody who said, thank you for justifying the hobby I've had for 25. <laughs> and it's like, Hey, you're welcome. You know? <laughs> yeah. There, and I remember too, I think one of the biggest, and I, I don't know if they'd qualify as rack toys or not, but one of the things we'd go into, uh, you know, a drugstore and not even like a brand drugstore, like not even a Walgreens, but every town has a local drugstore. Uh, they're all over St. Louis County. And I remember water guns because there are just w always water guns in the summer. Any store you go to and they're never a name brand per se. It's like if you get a super soaker, that's one thing. That's a name brand. But there are just the knockoff. And as you mentioned with the the licensing, I remember one of the coolest ones I had was a Silver Hawks water gun, which didn't make yeah. any sense because Silverhawks didn't use guns. Their weapons were built into their armors. <laughs> it, it, the, I never thought about it, but it doesn't make sense. But that was one of those examples of that, I guess. Yeah. Water guns are definitely are rack toys a hundred percent. And, um, yeah, there's some amazing stuff out there. You could do a book on water guns exclusively. I, I have seen so many and I collect them too. I have, I have quite a few, my, my favorite being, um, the television series Space 1999. They oh, yeah. actually went right out and replicated the, the the gun from the show. And it's actually like, other than having the words Space 1999 written on it, um, it's, it was like a prop replica when you were six. And, um, you know, I, I treasured that as a kid. It looked so real. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I love water guns and there's some, you know, they, they range from being really cool to being absolutely hilarious. And there's, uh, a company called Barton that, um, made their own water guns. And I know this cause my dad sold these and they had these cool concept pieces like the green Avenger, which, uh, you hid in your palm. Huh. And uh, they also had something called the Pocket Purple Pumper. Well, that, that sounds kind of cheat devious. <laughs> yeah, and they had a cartoon character on the box or on the card that looked a lot like Alex the Droog. Oh, from really? Clockwork Orange. It was a very strange and subversive time. Uh, hmm. but, you know, that just flew right under the radar back then. And I feel like I got a couple there. I uh, had a green one and an orange one. They're those clear plastic water guns you get. But it, mm -hmm. it was an almost an identical replica 
of a Walther PPK. And I know this because I was a oh, huge yeah. James Bond fan. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. So I bought two of them because inevitably one of my knucklehead friends would break one of my guns and I couldn't use it. So I got one to keep and play with inside the house. And one is an outdoor water gun. But it, it was like when you put it right up against an actual Walther PPK, it looked exactly like it. And nowadays, even with the clear plastic, you know, you can tell it's, a, oh, that's a green water gun versus that's an actual real gun. They don't really yeah. do that anymore. They don't. They don't license guns that look like actual weapons anymore. No, and and that's that's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think one of the ones that that's in the book, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I I looked at that page. But there's actually one that kills me. It is a Sergeant uh, Fury, so the Marvel comic yeah. character who with the American soldier water pistol, and I believe it's a Luger. <laughs> which so, it's like well why is he using a German gun <laughs> yeah. it's probably the most easily replicated it's like yeah that that's a recognizable yeah we'll use that World War II era style <laughs> who knows but yeah you, you'd think you'd give him a Colt 45 or something but who, eh, it's I yeah. guess it comes into that gray licensing area which again it's kind of funny that nowadays especially Disney slash Marvel seem like they're so litigious about stuff that back then, like you said, I guess they got the the likeness or whatever, but they didn't have to pay the full-on copyright. Or back then, there was so much of this stuff going out that these companies just didn't care? Well, actually, from what I understand, uh, because I've talked to comic historians about this, because I was fascinated by it, because there's such a loosey-goosey nature, especially with Marvel. DC, because it was owned by Warner Brothers, you couldn't, you didn't see a lot of the same stuff. So in the seventies, I cannot tell you, and there are some in the book, how many handguns have Spider-Man on them. Yeah. Um, like dirty, hairy type handguns that say <laughs> Spider-Man. And it turns out that there, you know, Marvel wasn't in a cash rich situation back then. And they were, um, the, the person who did the licensing approval was Stan Lee's assistant. Okay. So it really was not a full-time, she was not a brand manager. You know, she was just making sure it was okay and the check cleared. Right. <laughs> so you you did end up with, you know, Spider-Man handguns. And, it, it, you know, when the Incredible Hulk television series was a hit, if they made it, they put Hulk on it for about three years. Hmm. So, you know, there, there is so much um, bizarre Hulk merchandise. You could, again, write an entire book on just the Hulk. And the Universal Monsters are something that's been around since the you know late 20s, early 30s with uh, the Wolfman and Frankenstein. And there's been a lot oh, yeah. of knockoffs of those, obviously, throughout the years on rack toys. Hmm. And that is one of my favorite areas of interest. And believe it or not, some of the, the weirdest and cheapest stuff is officially licensed. Really? In the 19, I think in 1974, a company called AHI got the the, the official Universal Monsters license. And they, they produced a lot of crude toys. And I think the reason they're kind of crude is monsters have always been seen as sort of like an in-and-out Halloween program unless you're, you know, a kid who all wants to buy monsters all the time. Right. And um, so they they made a lot of toys. But then, yeah, I would say about three different companies were knocking them off at the same time. There was a, 
a really big monster boom in the mid seventies. And I haven't been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I think when they really hit their strikes, I've got another friend who collects monster memorabilia and lunch boxes and everything else. And that's kind of what he, m- most of his collection is from that mid seventies into the early eighties. We'll pause right there, take another quick commercial break, and be back right after this. Please stand by. Hi, this is Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor, and you're listening to Geek to Me. We're back again chatting for the entire show with author Brian Heiler and we were right before we took that last commercial break kind of discussing the monster craze the universal monsters there's a bunch of those knockoffs and we're just kind of digging into that monster craze of the 60s and 70s well the 60s was the first boom but then the 70s is you know you got action figures and black yeah. toys and uh, you know all this crazy stuff and a lot of that 60s stuff got reproduced like the model kits and that sort of thing so it was like the best of both worlds and one of the things that was in your book and if i remember correctly i got to ask you what is santa putty <laughs> i don't know i have never i would assume it is silly putty you know, a knockoff of Silly Putty, but they put Santa in it. And that is another theme of Rack Toys, is these seasonal in-and-out uh, things that they would produce, you know, to shove in stocking. Right. And I don't know if you remember these, but they would put out these uh, giant stockings full of Rack Toys around oh, yeah. Christmas time when we were kids, and they'd be like, you know, seven bucks. And, you know... It, that, that was like the perfect gift an uncle who doesn't know you would give you. <laughs> you know, it would just, they would say boy or girl. Right. And, you know, so yeah, rack toys have a seasonality to them as well. Yeah. Some of those, I remember them having like the, uh, almost the plastic or nylon net red stockings and it looked like a, yeah. like a fishing net that had yeah. off brand candy and kind of like chintzy toys and everything like that. But I, I distinctly remember seeing those as well. Yeah. And it would have like a, a generic coloring book in it and like the worst crayons ever. <laughs> right. There's like two colors and you're not even sure one of them is an actual color. They made it up for the crayon. Yeah. But, but the, another thing too, yeah. thinking about the holidays is I remember, and it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, cause you're the expert. I feel like there were very, very inexpensive Pez dispensers that weren't the Pez brand. Am I misremembering? It, it's possible um, that may have been not available in my region. Okay. Um, I grew up. Um, I, I, I'm I'm half German, uh, and uh, we would always shop at uh, German delicatessen when I go with my grandma. So I only remember Pez because that was like Pez Central. Sure. Uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, <laughs> but so I don't remember. But I, I would imagine that Pez was knocked off more than once. Uh, in our lifetime. And with the book that you've got, Rack Toys, it's out. Uh, this is, I, I believe you, it's a re-release because there's like 30% more information from the original release. Did I get that correct? Uh, I didn't, I don't know percentages. I think there's about 20 new pages. Okay. And um, so I guess it would be closer to like 20%. 
Yeah, I, I, but there's a lot more that's been changed and innovated because um, I've really grown not only as a collector but as a designer in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. So when they when they sell publishing, you know, generously offer to republish it, I took it as an opportunity to kind of like put a few more strokes on my painting, if you know what I mean. Sure. Like, um, yeah, and change things that bothered me about the original book. Um, you know, catching a few things that you guys wouldn't notice, but uh, you know, when you when you spend so much time with a publication and you you put your you know, without sounding hyperbolic, you put your blood into something. Every little thing bothers you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, and and also I've grown as a collector. There's a lot of things that I didn't know existed. I now own. So I wanted to add some of the more special things that I've picked up over the years um, to to broaden the experience and have a little more fun. So this new edition of the book could almost be seen as a kind of a director's cut, if you will. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, it's not um, because I I have friends who are like, should I race out and buy this? And they have the original. I'm like, I don't know, race out and buy it. Um, (laughs) Definitely buy it. (laughs) I I feel cheeky about them being disappointed. But if you're what what was happening was the book has been out of print for like five, six years. And uh it it was starting to go up to like a hundred dollars on Amazon. Wow! And people really wanted it, and people were really asking me that you know when can can you reprint it? And I, I have moved on to publishing magazines and other things right now, so uh, I didn't really want to throw all my resources into where I've been. That makes uh, sense. But yeah. with Nacell behind me, with their promotional department, it's it's a different story. So I'm really grateful to have them. Uh, want to do this yeah and brian volkwies i mean this this book sounds right up his alley we've had him on the show i think two or three times now and he's 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 a, yeah. a nerd's nerd and a geek's geek it's it's uh so i can see this being as i said right in his wheelhouse is something he'd he'd love to get behind well, he, he's written a wonderful afterword that uh put in the back of the book and you read that you know i, I read it a few times because i was putting it together he gets it yeah he completely gets it yeah, and talk about a toy collection. He and I have chatted just about his collection before, and it sounds like something that they should sell tickets to uh, to let, let people in and see it. <laughs> yeah. And the website you've got too, Plaid Stallions, P-L-A-I-D, stallions.com. That's kind of like, it sounds very much like a kind of a time capsule almost because you've got all these childhood obsessions, toys, 70s clothing, and things like that in there. We're going to take another quick break, come back and continue chatting with author Brian Heiler. Please stand by. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, lion command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of lion and you're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. Before we get back to our chat with author Brian Heiler talking about his book, Rack Toys, I want to make sure that we tell you about our official movie sponsor, and that would be Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. Uh, you can use that website to find the location of the Marcus Theaters or the movie tavern closest to you. You can check out movies that are playing, what the coming attractions are. You can buy your tickets on the website. They've got deals going, too. Uh, for example, just throwing one of them out there. 
If you become a member of their Magical Movie Rewards Club, you get points every time you buy tickets to see a movie, every time you get concessions, and those points can be put towards future purchases of concessions or movie tickets. Uh, maybe you want to rent a theater, the, the private theater rental. We've done those a couple times now. We did it for Jason Statham's Wrath of Man. Uh, we had such a good time. One of my friends who went with me to that ended up getting a private theater so that they could see Cruella when that came out. And we were invited along to that as well. It's a great time, just a great way for you and a bunch of close friends to see a movie together. Uh, maybe, you know, you're celebrating something. Maybe it's a, an, a birthday or something like that. You want to do something a little bit different. The Marcus Theater private rentals are a great, great option there. Uh, it's just the best time to see movies, especially now that the movies are coming back. I know some of them are streaming, but it's just not the same as seeing them on the big screen. So if you're going to go see a movie, go do it in the best possible surroundings. That's what you'll find at a Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern location. Once again, the website, marcustheaters.com, for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. While I've got you, while we're chatting here, I want to mention uh, we've had some people ask us about the show. You know, how's the show going? What's going on? Well, so in addition to this online show, which you are now hearing wherever you get your podcasts from... We also do a live radio show on the Big 550 KTRS in St. Louis. You can stream it anywhere in the world. Just go to ktrs.com slash stream. And my brilliant producer, Joey V, said, hey, we should add video to this too. So now we also stream those live Sunday night shows on twitch.tv slash geek2meradio, facebook.com slash geek2meradio. We also stream them on my YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com, search geek2meradio. While you're there, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button and hit the little bell notification. That way, every time we do a live show on Sunday night, you'll get a little notice will pop up, and you can watch the show live. Last week, we had Pat Fraley on talking about his voice career, told some great stories about meeting Ed Asner for the first time, his work sitting alongside of people like uh, Tonson Coleman and uh, Rob Paulson on Ninja Turtles. But it had a great, great time, and it's fun, kind of fun to see these people as you're talking to them, so that's a great way to enjoy the show. So go to YouTube.com. We're kind of focused on getting our subscription numbers up there, and just subscribe to geek to me Radio on YouTube. I would be very appreciative. That'll be one way you can help out the show. Also, bit.ly slash geek to me bit.ly slash geek to me and that takes you to a link where if you shop on Amazon, and a lot of people right now are still a little nervous about going out to the big box stores, which is fine. You know, COVID's still a, a thing, unfortunately, in our lives. But if you're going to do some shopping on Amazon anyway, go to bit.ly slash geek me and then click through from there to Amazon. Nothing changes for you, but any purchase you make, we get a small, small percentage of that, and it does help to support the show. So if you would do that, we'd be greatly appreciative as well. Also, just following me on Twitter and Instagram at geek to me radio giving the facebook page a like all these things are way that you can help support the show that are of no cost to you at all it means a great deal to us and for those of you who are subscribed to the podcast on google play or you know the apple itunes wherever you get your podcast from thank you very much for doing that please leave us a five-star review if you have not already done so that also helps us in the search optimization. And finally, just head over to geek2meradio.com. Play around on the website. Look through our archives of the people we've talked to. Uh, check out the things we have going on there. And we appreciate that as well. Okay, uh, that's enough of me. We're going to take one more last commercial break. Come back and finish up our chat with author Brian Heiler. So please stand by.
Hi, this is Neil Ross, the voice of a plethora of animation and game characters. One of them would be the Green Goblin and Spider-Man, who reminds you... You're listening to Geek to Me Radio! We're back for our final segment, talking with author Brian Heiler, his book Rack Toys... And as we got to talk about it, I was asking him about uh, social media handles, things like that. His website, plaidstallions.com, came up. Yeah, it, it's, it's basically a catch-all for all my obsessions. Uh, toys, uh, department store catalogs. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with mall appearances, like when, you know, a guy showed up dressed as Darth Vader would show up at the mall. Yeah. Um, you know, people send me their photos on that. Uh, vintage toy advertising, Toys R Us flyers. And I also have a video series on there called Toy Ventures, which is now spun off into a magazine. It, it's a it's a very tiny empire of nostalgia that I'm building. And so you collect a lot of these because I've seen on eBay just because I'll go in, I'll, you know, if I get bored, I'll go browse eBay and look at stuff. And like the tenor, the Kenner toy catalogs from the eighties or the Sears wish books from like 1978, they fetch a lot of money if they're in good shape. That's surprising. So is that something you collect and have in your own personal collection? Yeah, I've been collecting those since I was a teenager. Wow. Um, and the way I lucked into my first pile was I found some at yard sales and, and at friends' houses, but I was at a friend's house in high school and he said, oh, yeah, my mom says, his mom worked at a store called Eaton's. says, my mom says there's a huge box of those in the basement of Eaton's. Do you want them? Because they're just going to throw them out. And I said, yeah. So I ended up with like over 40 catalogs wow. from the 70s. And that's where the name Plaid Stallions came from. Is I was looking at all the dudes in leisure suits. And, of course, this was like <laughs> the, this was the late 80s. Just early, maybe it was around you know late eighties and early nineteen ninety, and I just kind of coined that phrase of "look at the plaid stallions," <laughs> and uh, nobody laughed at the time, but I always thought it was a funny name. And here I am, uh, thirty years later, talking to you on the phone about it. <laughs> I will say, plaid stallions also sounds like it could be a Scottish football league, but I, I, I like the name regardless. <laughs> you know what? There's actually a, a band here in Canada called the Plaid Stallions. Really. I think they're a small, you know, like a bar band, uh, but I've run into them a few times via Google and it's like, all right, well, I, and I think it's just parallel thinking. I, I don't think they swiped it from me and I certainly didn't swipe it from them. <laughs> so I've always just thought it was kind of funny. The upside for you is you've got plaidstallions.com. They probably had to take .net or something like that. So you're, you're, you're in better standing. Yeah, I don't know if they even have a website. I, just, I read reviews of them playing at certain places, and I think, oh, that's funny. I would love to run into those guys. And for the book itself, Rack Toys, the, the best website for them to order, I'm assuming it, it's best to go through racktoysbook.com uh, rather than just through the Amazon yeah. site. It has all the information about the new Nacelle, uh, public, uh, new Nacelle version, the definitive edition. Also, it's available in certain markets. Now, Nacelle is doing something called the Nacelle Passport, and they're going to be selling their publications through uh, a, a group of toy shops, you know, vintage toy shops across uh, Canada and the United States, from what I understand. Oh, cool. There will be a place here in Toronto called Treehouse Collectibles that's selling it. 
I know a place in Portland called Dr. Tongues. I had that shop is carrying it. And there's a store called uh, Bizarro Wax Street in Atlanta, Georgia, that is also carrying it. Uh, but it is available on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, of course. And if people want to keep up with you personally, other than the websites we mentioned, racktoysbook.com and plaidstallions.com, are you busy on social media? Do you have other ways for people to uh, kind of reach out and kind of watch what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. I'm on most social media. I, I have never had the fix of Toy Shop, but I'm, you know, Plaid Stallions on Instagram. Uh, the Plaid Stallions Facebook page is on Facebook, obviously, we have a group. We have a podcast called Pod Stallions, um, and I have a YouTube channel called Brick Man Tooth, where I talk about vintage toys all the time. Perfect. And we'll put links to that. I, I'm assuming that can all be like all the links to all those can be reached through Rack Toys Book. Like there'll be a link to your Twitter and Instagram and everything there. Oh yeah, if you go to, if you go to PodStallions.com, you're going to find all my stuff. Perfect. Uh, we'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening right now, scroll down to the show notes and just click on Plaid Stallions. You can uh, keep up with Brian Heiler and all of his exploits there. Uh, fantastic book. Again, Rack Toys. Look for it in a local bookstore. We always encourage you to shop local if you can. If not, head over to his website, racktoysbook.com. Brian Heiler, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time today. Oh, I'm really grateful. This has been fun. That's going to do it. Another show in the books. My thanks again to Brian Heiler for sharing his time with us. Make sure you check out the book, Rack Toys. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Thank you, as always, to Joey V, my executive producer, who, without him, this show would not be able to have continued for 260 episodes and beyond as we move into, uh, we're approaching 300, which is a scary thought. We'll have to find something special to do for that. Uh, thanks to him, as always, for helping the show sound as good as it does. And thanks to you, the listener, because without you, without you supporting me, listening, helping me out, I wouldn't be here either. So until next week, my friend. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the way you watch the flash. It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Arts. It's not in the Thank you, Clark's Drugstore. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say Referral Geek to Me Radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.